Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hi guys, welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast today. We have a really fun guest, a very energetic guest. I'm really excited to have her on the show and everybody welcome Summer Tucker. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, girl? Good. It is, I'm like fangirling a little bit. Is that oh. funny? Just, just a little bit. I was like, do um, I have time to do push-ups? I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to be energetic. <laughs> oh no, you're always energetic. Um, so for those of you who don't know, or for those who don't know you, could you give a little background or introduction to yourself? Sure. Um, you know, honestly, I, I really, I'm just a mom and I know, I don't want to say just, I don't like that word, you know, but really at the heart of it all, I'm a mom of three and, um, a former military Marine Corps wife that really just, um, caught a vision about nine years ago and got really excited about it and saw my, like my mindset, my joy and my happiness started to shift in it. And I started to feel hope. And so, um, honestly it has, you know, over nine years, it has just developed. And I believe God has just shown a little light uh, along the way enough to convince me to step into it because if he would have showed me the whole thing, I would have ran the other direction, you know, but, um, yeah. So, uh, my husband served in the Marine Corps for almost 11 years as a pilot. He flew prowlers and he did two deployments. I birthed our third child with him on Skype. Um, and so there, I don't know how much you want to go into the story, um, but that's kind of like a really quick like rundown of kind of where I come from and how I like just where Chad and I have been real quick. I mean, for those of you listening, um, like if you, if you're attached to the military in any form, you know, that two deployments, like, you know, people will say to you like, Oh, it'll go by quick. And I wish I could say that it does, or, you know, you get to the end of the deployment and someone would say like, Oh my gosh, is it already time for him to come home? And you're like, already, like, do you know what I mean? Like the last two days feel like two years, but, um, so that's kind of the life we've lived. And so our kids are now in sixth grade, third grade, and kindergarten. So we call ourselves daytime empty nesters. And we work, <laughs> we work together, which is interesting, you know, um, when we see each other. We went from never, literally never seeing each other, like really just like literally crossing in the night. Like, you know, he would come home um, from his flight sometimes in the middle of the night, you know, we're all asleep and be gone before the kids woke up to like, he's always here, <laughs> which is a blessing, but it's just a, it's a new season for sure. Yeah. So if you don't know Summer Tucker, you guys need to know, like, she is a ball of energy, fire, but especially like hope. But I know that that hasn't always been the case. So I was hoping, Summer, you would kind of tell us your story. What was um, or what has your journey as a Marine wife been like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It wasn't, it always was not, it wasn't always a ball of energy and there wasn't always a bunch of hope. Let me just be mm -hmm. real with you guys. That's something I can always promise you guys is I am going to be just completely honest and real and raw. Uh, mm -hmm. with you guys. And so when, um, when Chad, Chad and I have been together since we were 15. So we were high school sweethearts. <laughs> We've never dated anybody else. Um, I mean, in middle school, does that count? Because my son, like every time he comes home, he's in the sixth grade. Like I said, he comes home, we're like, how school? And he was like, well, he starts talking about a girl. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, so, but we are the only ones we've ever seriously dated, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, we just like really just had this insane attraction to each other, like, like best friends, but, uh, like also like that, that passion 
as well. Mm -hmm. And we just knew, like, we couldn't even imagine life apart at 18. Um, And so I ended up with a softball scholarship to a D1 college, and he went with me. And that kind of started the like the like Chad and I were just like unwrapping this a bit a bit that kind of started the the road to trying like like to be selfless does that make sense like it you know like I was chasing a dream like um you know I wanted to play collegiate softball I wanted to play professional softball I wanted to coach I wanted to play in the Olympics like you know what I mean I was chasing a dream and he was trying to chase it with me And it really caused a bunch of unrest, right? To the point where like he left and went to another school and I tried to stay in that attraction as much as our parents like literally like hated it. You know what I mean? Only because it was like I was willing to walk away from a softball scholarship for it. And I did, you know, I like ultimately left and I followed him to another school where I did walk on and, and, and play there. But Um, that kind of started our journey. Right. And, um, when I left my softball scholarship, and this is probably the part of the story that I I don't ever tell for some reason, it just kind of gets lost in the craziness, but this is another crazy part of the story is, uh, my parents didn't have a college fund. You know, they were hard working, um, you know, you know, American, amazing parents, you know, but there just wasn't enough left over at the end of the month. Um, for a lot of things, let alone college. And so I went into the army. Um, I went into the National Guard to pay for schooling so that I could be with Chad. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I remember sitting at Fort Jackson and I was pulling duty, fire watch, and I was reading the base paper and it was, it was a wife writing, she, you know, about how hard being a military wife was and the goodbyes, but she was talking about the happy tears and all of the moving. And I was sitting there reading like in the middle of the night and I was like, who does this to themselves? <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I look back and God was probably like, ha ha. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he, like, like girlfriend, you got a lot to learn, but yeah. I was like, who does this? You know? And you know, I, I, I came back to school and, um, Chad came to me one day in the dorm and was like, I want to be in the Air Force. And I was like, no, not, you know what I mean? Like, no, like that's just what flew out of my mouth was like, no, like I, you know, because I just came from basic training and all that kind of stuff. And I was commuting, you know, two hours on one week in a month. And I was, I just knew what I didn't want. You know what I mean? That's something like I knew, like, did not want that for myself. And I know now we're going in between selfless and selfish. And you know what I mean? Like this, mm-hmm. this heart, this, this tug in your heart, you know? And um, I remember having a hard conversation with him and I, and he did join ROTC and I was trying to be supportive. I mean, really, I was like, man, and he's such a great guy. Like he's the kind of guy in high school like I'd walk out for my basketball game and in the snow, he would write on top of my car, I love you. Or there would be a red rose on my seat or he would have drew me a picture and stuck it in my basketball bag for me to find. Like he just really a very thoughtful guy. Um, And I really like, I couldn't imagine life without him, but I also knew like wrapped up inside of me, there was like, a ball of energy, I suppose, (laughs) you know, there was just dreams, you know, my parents had always taught me to dream, you know, and I had all these dreams and I just saw them, the dreams that I thought I wanted drifting further and further until, you know, I had a conversation with them. I said, you know, I don't want to get the way in of your dream. Like for as long as I've known him, he's loved airplanes. Like, I mean, and we've actually, we go back to like third grade. That's another story, but you know, we would be walking. I mean, I don't know how many air shows I've gone to with him or, you know, the Dayton Air Museum, every air museum that there were ever near we have to go to, you know, he can hear a plane fly over. He can tell me what kind of engine it has. And I listen because I love him, but I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't want to like, I, in my heart, I did not want to stand in the way of his dream either, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, 
and 9-11 had, had just happened. And he was like just fuming inside. Like just he felt this like such a desire to serve his country and to stand up and to um, and to do that. And I told him, I was like, look, like I can't stand, I, I, I cannot allow myself to stand in the way of your dreams, but I also have to stay true to myself, you know, and I have dreams. And so you chase your dreams, I'll chase mine. And if at the, when we're done chasing our dreams, if we're still meant to be, we'll come back together, you know? And he like kind of walked away, just kind of numb, like just kind of like, did that really just happen? And, you know, so we broke up like literally for like first time. I mean, I think we might've broke up in high school, but those don't really count. Um, for like, a like two days, like t- literally like two days is the longest we've ever been apart. And he came back. He's like, listen, like you are my dream. You know, he's like, you, like, I can't, like, I don't want that dream without you. And I said, I can't, I can't live that life. I need a chance. He's like, all right, I I will chase another dream. And now like even saying that out loud, it does, it doesn't sound right. I get that, you know? And so, um, I ended up, um, getting accepted as to become a police officer. And so did he. And we were all set. Like, this is like fast forward two years. We were all set to, go to, uh, they would train their, their police officers at the state highway patrol Academy. And so we were all set to go, you know, all of that type of stuff was done. And he comes home and he says, um, I want to be in the Marine Corps. And I was like, Whoa, (laughs) like we, we just got like, wait, like we just got hired. Like, you know, like, like literally like, um, I kind of skipped some things. I ended up injured in softball and had knee surgeries and was never the same. So that dream kind of died, but I'm not the type of person to wallow in it. So like I allowed myself to keep dreaming and I was like, you know, uh, I'm really, really passionate about community. I'm also a rule follower. If any of you follow me on social media or ever worked with me, like I'm the first one to be like, okay, so what is, what does the rule book say about that? (laughs) You know? Um, And so like, I really thought, and not to mention like this particular police department listen this is this is awesome they had a bicycle program like right mm-hmm. like so i'm like i get to work out <laughs> you know create community with people help people this is like this is seriously this is 21 year old summer being like help people follow the rules <laughs> you know and you know get paid to do it i was like i can't think of anything better than that um and so I was, I was just it like totally, and, and, oh, I, I keep leaving little pieces out. He had already put a ring on my finger. So we were married by 21. And mm-hmm. so it's not one of those things where you say like, well, we'll just go our separate ways. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, we were committed. We said till death do us part, two became one. Like those are foundational truths that are very important to me. And so um, it was one of those things where I was like, I have got to, think about. I, I don't know where to go with this. I don't know what to do with this. So I started talking to, you know, other people like, what should I do? And they're like, this is the response I got from most people is like, well, he's going to have a midlife crisis if you don't. And I was <laughs> like, well, that sounds bleak. Like, you know, it doesn't sound like I have a choice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, it really did come down to um, that type of decision. It was like really a fear it, it was a fear-based decision for me to, and I was fearful that he would hang it over my head for the rest of my life. So, um, and so we did it, you know, um, and, and, and I wasn't bitter about it though. It was like, I'm, that's just not of my personality to, to like, I don't, I don't keep records of wrong. So I wasn't hanging that over his head. Like, well, I stayed at, I went to the military with you. It wasn't anything like that, but it was like literally me looking into the future at 40. I had definitely seen some midlife crises in my time and I knew I did not want that. And that's going to come in. That's going to be a key point later on, but I knew what I didn't want. I also yeah. knew what I wanted. I wanted a happy marriage. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I had dreams but my priorities, when I really looked at them and lined them up, Chad was a higher priority than my work. 
and mm-hmm. the marriage was the unity of it, the, for it to thrive. And, um, and I, and I walked away, you know, it was a, it was a very humbling mo- uh, you know, experience to walk into the chief of police who had just hired me and, um, now tell him that I wasn't going to now he served in the army. So it was, he was, you know, he was, he wished us well and all that kind of stuff, but it, it was, it was, I would say embarrassing. It was probably one of the more humbling experiences in my life. And so I followed him as people say, like he followed me to, to Cleveland. Um, and then I followed him to Miami and then I followed him 13 different places in this country. <laughs> so, um, and, and so I, I kind of, I'm going to be honest with you and I don't, you interrupt me whenever, whenever you, you want to, but I feel like it was in that moment that, um, I started to lose myself. Like I, like, you know, as a military spouse, like you, like, you don't even get, you, you don't even have your own social anymore. Like you memorize your husband's last four of their social. And I kind of became, you know, Tucker's wife, you know what I mean? Like, which it's, there's nothing flawed with it, but at the time, you know, at, at a young age, like I started to question, like, what did I do all that for? You know what I mean? Like I worked my tail off in sports to get a scholarship. Like I worked hard graduating at top of my class in high school, top of my class in college. Like what did I do all of that for just to follow my Chad? And I'm, you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes. I I don't mean like just to follow Chad. Like that was my mindset just to give you, like there was a very selfish, like, mindset back then it wasn't like what was best for summer and chad it was i did all of this for chad and you almost become like um a martyr like do you know what i mean like you you've sacrificed so much and i really did allow that mindset to take root and i spent so flight school well you know, they have for officers, it's like they have um, officer candidate school, which we can't stay with them, you know, right. and, and Chad was second guessing himself in the middle of it. I was getting like letters and phone calls and stuff when he was allowed. And he was kind of second guessing himself. And I was like, oh, no, no. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I walked away from my job and I literally packed up our apartment in Columbus, Ohio and moved to Quantico and he hadn't graduated as an officer as an officer yet. And literally was like, I'm here. There is no plan B. Like, like, there is no plan B. (laughs) We're not going back this time, sweetheart. Oh, no, 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 no. We are all in. You know, I think sometimes you do have to go all in. You know, Mm -hmm. as I started studying happiness, and I'm jumping around a little bit, but um, I, you know, three years ago, I really, five years ago, I started studying happiness. And and I'll come to that in in a little bit. But I started what I came to understand with studies that have been done is that too many decisions actually creates decision fatigue. Like, like, think about it when you go to the cheesecake factory. I mean, holy moly, like that menu is like, like, I don't even know, like, it all looks good. I want every cheesecake, like, like, it literally is something called decision fatigue. And so like, I I really like just removed the option to quit for him, because we are in it, and we're in it together. Yet, there was this piece of me that was like, who is summer tucker like now like who is she what does she do like should i go active in the army like i looked into that and then i was like wait a second how how is the marine corps and the army gonna live next to each other like you know what i mean as i started talking to recruiters i'm like okay so if we don't ever want to see each other ever we should do that (laughs) like um i looked into becoming a nurse because like i really love people. Like, you know what I mean? Like I love people and I love helping. And so I looked into that and then I realized like, I don't do well with blood. So that's probably not a good idea. And then (laughs) I was like, what about a personal trainer? You know, I love fitness. Like I love helping people. I also can't figure out my own fitness because I struggled with feeling comfortable in my skin since I was younger. I was kind of the well, what people would call the bigger boned girl, I was, you know, how people describe someone, they'll be like, you know, they're not like fat, they're solid. Like, (laughs) that was me. I was solid, big boned, 
um, uh, but uncomfortable, no, no matter what, you know, no, no one was trying to label me. I was not bullied. I wasn't, thank goodness. My parents spoke life over me. It was literally me. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there just yeah. comes a time where you start noticing that you are built different than mm-hmm. other people. And, um, I have a friend that the same thing and, and, you know, she's, she was built different, but she grabbed a pair of paint. She never thought anything of it, you know, and she went to cheerleading one day and her coach said, you are too thick to be wearing shorts Aww. like that. And it was in that, just a, that moment. I'm sure that cheer coach, her intention was not to hurt her. Like, I don't think, you know, I like to think people are, loving and they want to, I, I really do like to think that I don't think that was her heart but that is the like words are seed that is that is the reality of it that it, you know mm-hmm. and and she carried that with her since I mean I mean she's broken free from it now I think at the age of 30 but she, you know she I think that was at the age of like 13 or something and so they're just I can't remember an incident like that for me but there just comes a time where you like you just notice and so mm-hmm. Um, I always struggled with, with food and just, uh, you know, I, I wasn't like a, like, I wasn't like, like nothing diagnosed or anything, but food just was a prison for me. Like I always shame, there wasn't anything healthy. I w- I didn't have a healthy relationship with food. No one would diagnose me as anything or, but it was in my, it was in my head. And anytime you think less of yourself or you're shaming, like it's not healthy. And, um, and so I was like, you know what? I'll be a personal trainer. This is perfect. I have nothing else to do. I mean, he's gone all the time. We didn't have any kids. I will study. I love to study. If there's anything I do well, it's study. And so I did. I, si- I signed up for it. And I was like, and I bet this is why I'm solid and thick is because I'm missing some information. So I'll probably obtain this information, be able to quote unquote fix myself, and then I can help other people in the process. This, I'm just giving you guys like an insight into my thought process. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I did that and I became like summer, the personal trainer, you know, like everywhere we went, like I was, that's like, you know, and I started to feel much better about myself, which is sad really to be attached to a title. Right. And, um, and so we just kept bouncing around all over the country, you know, from one place to the other. And I'd get a little bit more bitter because I'd get really great clientele in like, say, Mississippi, and I love them. And then, you know, the Marine Corps doesn't say like, hey, like, are you ready to move? Like, how's your business doing? Like, yeah. do you think that's the great, like, will benefit your, hurt your business? You know, like you just, you move and it doesn't matter what you were doing, like, do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I just kept getting like a little bit more and more like frustrated, like, and I didn't know what to do with it, you know? And I, it's not like chat, chat, I don't fight or anything, but like in my heart, I knew that I was frustrated with, I guess him, but it wasn't, I signed up for it. So I didn't know what to do with it or anything. And so finally, fast forward a couple years, we, we had, we've had a few babies by this time and he's deploying for the first time. And I, for the first time in my life, when he deployed, I felt hopeless, you know? And I believe when there's no, when you're hopeless, like that's the worst place you can be because where there is no hope, there is no action. You start doing things, you start numbing out, right? You start, whether it's on you know, and all of us, I've been guilty of this, you know, and it, it, in a, it's how it's, it's, you know, avoidance of some sort, you know, whether it's scrolling Facebook or Netflix back then it was like, you know, bachelor, the bachelorette, like, you know what I mean? Wine night, pizza night, Oreo cookie, like, you know, what I mean? whatever it is, every people have, you know, retail therapy, whatever, you know, um, I felt the loneliest and most hopeless that I've ever felt um, because he was gone. And I remember like asking myself, like back to that same question, like, what is all of this for? Like, right? Like I'm a personal trainer. I have a lot of knowledge. I've had many, many clients. You know what I mean? I've helped people. I've loved on people. I have two healthy kids, but like I didn't marry him to spend time away from it. So I was dealing, like I was missing like my other half and I really went internal. Like I put on a good show. I could not a good show necessarily, but I could smile on the outside and I could, um, 
you know, I could be positive, you know, for other people, but behind closed doors at night, it was just like, I was just literally going through the motions and climbing into that cold bed at night was like the last thing I wanted to do. And, um, it was, it was one day I was like, how are we going to do this for the rest of our life? Like, like really, is this, is this what I got? Is this really, because at this time, it went from when I signed the dotted line to a six-year contract from the time he left. Like, this is why I said read the fine print because it that's not what it says. It doesn't say that, you know? Um, it says six years from the time you complete flight school. Well, yeah. flight school's two years long and they have TBS and OCS. I mean, it's like three. So that's nine-year contract. But yeah. wait, that's only if you get helicopter or cargo and Chad got jets. That's an eight-year contract from the time you get your wings. So it was an 11-year contract. So like I'm like, oh, my gosh, we were only, let's see, like three years into the, the contract. Like I'm like, oh, my gosh, we have eight more years to go. Like is this really? And then people start saying like once you've done 11, you would be crazy to not do nine more and have retirement for the rest of your life and, you know, medical. And I get, I get where they're coming from, but I was like, it went from six to 11 to 20, like all yeah. this stuff. I was like, wow, that is a, that's a big, so I was dealing with a lot and uh, mentally myself trying to wrap my brain around the meaning of this. And um, what I was going to do, how was I going to make, I mean, and we have kids like, I mean, I take that leadership position very seriously. And so I wasn't the best version of myself. You know, um, I was trying to be, but it was exhausting. And so I remember it was like probably a month or two into the, de the deployment. And I remember walking down the stairs to start a pot of coffee like I did every day, you know, because our 10 month old really was a rough sleeper. And um, I'm sure some of y'all can relate to that. Um, but I was walking down the stairs and I saw this sign that I, I had used with my clients. It was on my desk. You know, I've read it a gazillion times. And it said, if you want something different, you have to do something different. And I, it became like those catchy sayings. Like they come like white noise. They don't mean anything to us anymore. The more we say them, that's why sometimes our kids start tuning us out. <laughs> but yeah. um, uh, the, the word you popped out at me in that moment and like stopped me in my tracks. Like I feel like God was like wake up, wake up. Like, you know what I mean? Like stop waiting for the Marine Corps to do something different. Stop waiting for Chad to do something different. Stop waiting for even our daughter to do something different to sleep. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> stop waiting for maybe your, I, I would think like, okay, like my parents or my in-laws, like stop waiting for someone else to do something different and figure out what you can do differently right now, like control what you can control. And so it was, it was in that moment that so much changed for me that I really decided to pick back up my pen that I had really given to everybody else. Like it is what it is. Oh, this is just how military life is. Oh, that's normal that you feel this way. Oh, you know, and I decided like, no, like I get to define what winning is. I get to re finish this story. It can be, I don't have, we don't have to do 20 years if we don't want to. Like it really be, but we can, if we want to, it really became like this moment in my life where I realized I really do have some decisions and some choices that I can take back control of and start mm -hmm. taking action in. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember your question, so I don't know if I answered it. <laughs> <laughs> Just what's your journey been? I know you haven't always been this ball of energy. And I, I knew that you had gone through this kind of epiphany. And so I guess just kind of continue yeah. like, so you've had this epiphany, but then what did you do about it? What did I do? Well, I mean, literally, I, you know, I started looking back and I didn't know this, but looking back at like, I'm always trying to like figure, like unwrap how I got here to a place of really like, like peace. You know what I mean? Like not everything has not always been 
perfect. There has been obstacles and struggles within those going like almost nine years, you know, coming up on or almost 10 actually since that moment. But um, there's been ups and downs. We have struggled after Chad got out of the military, which is a whole nother amazing topic that Chad and I are so passionate about helping people navigate. But um, there was, it was the ability to have peace along the way and to enjoy the journey. Um, I'm always trying to figure out how to help people with that because there are certain things we can't control. Like, you know what I mean? We can't, we can't, we are, we are going to have obstacles. You know, we're going to lose loved ones. You know, um, we could lose a job or have to move again, which Chad and I just did, like where we were like, oh my gosh, we're still moving. But, you know, how to be joyful in the process. I'm always trying to figure that out because I think that is if we can, if we can help people with that, we can't control our, the stock market. We can't control, you know, the, you know, social media necessarily. We can't control like maybe what's happening at school all the time, but how do we navigate these challenges that many of us face in a positive way with hope, with excitement, um, and with like just peace in our heart. And when I look back, I realized that like really life is about rituals, right? So, you know, every action that we take, every, everything that we do every day either moves us towards where we want to go or where we don't want to go. We're never stagnant. And I learned that in a book called The Slide Edge that then the compound effect is very, very similar. Similar, But I started with The Slide Edge because it was thinner. <laughs> um, and I started um, taking note of my actions, like where my time was going, right? Where, where I was, where I was focusing, what I was filling my mind with. So I started looking for mentors and I couldn't afford any. Um, so I looked in places like YouTube and I started looking for what like people that, you know, I perceived as successful kind of had what I, I wanted, like were joyful and, you know, had their priorities in a line and all that kind of stuff. And I found Shalene Johnson. Um, and I started just saying like, well, success leaves clues. So um, I'm going to follow her and I'm going to listen to her YouTube. And I, I developed a ritual where every single morning, as soon as I woke up, I left my phone in my um, bedroom, not my bedroom, my bathroom. And while I was brushing my teeth, I would turn on a podcast, uh, not a podcast. They didn't exist yet. A YouTube. Like it was like Shalene Johnson or maybe John Maxwell or someone, Brian Tracy, someone she would had recommended. And I started filling my brain with positivity, right? From these people. And so that was a ritual that developed. And I listened to it while I made my coffee, you know, and I started. So that's something that when people are like, what's one simple thing that I can change right now that would have a long lasting impact on my life? That's it. You know, because I was filling my mind before that with, you know, The Bachelorette or Fox News or what other military wives were saying about how bad their life was. And I started blocking out the negativity and filling my mind with positivity, which allowed me to start to dream again. See, that's where I think many people get is they get in this like it is what it is mindset. And we're listening to Fox News and we're looking at social media and we're, you know, we're in our circle of five, which have very similar like finances, struggles. And a lot of times, you know, it's not very good and struggling marriages and we get surrounded by that and everything just looks very bleak to us and you lose hope. So I changed the tape in my head that was playing. The tape in my head that was playing was like, this is just how it's going to be like, like military wives, this is just what they do. Like they just kind of surrender to it. And, um, most they're just never home. You don't have a lot of say so in what they do with it, you know, as you move forward and that's just how it is. And, uh, you know, my husband's disconnected and they never help with anything. Like, like I changed that tape and I started mm -hmm. listening to others and changing my rituals. And which allowed me, like I said, just, it gave me hope, which where there's hope, you start to have vision, Right. Um, and where there's vision, you start to take action, right? And so a man without a vision will perish. Well, I was 
perishing, quote unquote, so to speak, because I lost all vision. Like I felt like, like, I don't know if you've ever read the energy bus, but I was not sitting in the driver's seat and I didn't see how I could get over to the driver's seat because of the tape playing in my head and what I was surrounded by. So I had to change my environment and I had, which allowed me to get back in the driver's seat, which created a vision. And when you have vision that you're excited about, you're willing to take action, right? And so yep. all of a sudden, I started to think about what I what I really wanted out of life again, right? Like, you know, what did, what did I want? You know, I knew what I didn't want. And I started thinking about that too. And Shaleen taught me to look at the areas of my life that really do matter, you know? And so I started writing those down, you know? And that's another ritual that started, you know, is defining winning for myself in the areas of life that I valued. I'm the only one that has to live my life. Me and me and Chad are like no one else. Like Rachel Hollis says, like the opinions of other pe- people's opinions of you are none of your business. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like they don't have to like I had to stop allowing the opinions of other people impact my decisions because they didn't have to live my life. So the people that were saying like, we should stay in nine more years after we're done because that's what you, that's a smart financial decision. Maybe they are right. And, and I'm not saying that's a wrong decision, but I had to give myself the space to say, what is right for Summer and Chad? And we had to open that conversation. You know, I really truly believe I have some really close friends that they will serve 20 plus years in the military and what a blessing like literally like if that if you're listening to that and that's something that you're doing like thank you from the bottom of my heart they're the only reason that myself and other people get to dream and get to create and get to serve is because you're willing to make that sacrifice that that is something that excites you and your family and it's a good fit for you my goodness you are a blessing and i want you to know no matter how significant or insignificant in, in you feel you are amazing and valued and and even though it's unspoken and people probably don't say it enough i'm saying thank you we need people that like literally when they take a step back and they think like about their life and they're like i like the military life and there are so many positives about the military i mean the community the camaraderie the financial the the financial benefits that the way they take care of you financially and with medical and i mean the service, the, the significance, like the, there's so many benefits. And so if that's something that when you look at, you're like, yes, that's what I want. That's what our family wants. Like, holy crap. Thank you. But we have to give each other space. I feel like there's becomes this, like, like there's no right or wrong for anyone. No one. Like, do you know what I mean? Like literally, I believe all of us get to pick up our pen and unapologetically write our story. It's not like right that Chad and I decided to get out. It's just what was the best fit for us. And it's not necessarily, it might not have been right for us to stay in and when it's right for you. So it doesn't make it not right for you. It makes it awesome for you. If that's what you and your spouse have sat down and decided, yes, I want you to unapologetically do it and love it and be a light in that environment. You know, um, and that's kind of what Chad and I did. And we gave ourselves, listen, we had, you know, a lot of years left to serve in the military. So we gave ourselves space for that vision to change, to ebb and flow and to communicate, right? To open up this communication where Chad, like, what do you want, babe? Like, do you like what you're doing? Like, and him to say, okay, what do you, do you love what we're doing? What do you think? Like a safe place to truly share your feelings about what you want out of life, like to become one. I believe that the enemy, if he, the, his favorite place to attack is the foundation of our society and that's the household. And so if yeah. he can divide a household, he can win. So we have to create this safe place for each ourselves and our spouse to share what's on our heart and neither one's right or wrong, but we have to define winning as a family. Does that kind of, like that's where everything started for me is like I seriously stopped trying to figure out what everybody wanted from me or what was the most 
like looked best on a resume or felt better to say at a dinner party or at a high school reunion, like, and just like, like gave myself permission to say, like, what, what do we want out of life, Chad? We only get one shot. Like we only get one shot. So let's write our story and let's do it unapologetically. And that's kind of, I'm not saying that Chad was like, yeah, right off the bat. (laughs) Like, I think, you know, but it at least started conversation. Yeah. So we need to wrap up a little bit, but I really want to talk about um, your emergency checklist. This, so it's, is it summertucker.com? Yep. And, you know, it's something that I decided to offer for absolutely nothing. It's completely free. I used to run groups around it where I would help guide people through. And then I decided just to open it up to anyone that it could benefit. There's short videos for seven days um, that fit in the mom cracks. That's why like I can Mm -hmm. kind of be long winded, as you can see. And um, so I, I tried to make these little trainings like four minutes max so you can listen to it like while you pack your kids lunch or some or brushing your teeth um or something like that and so it developed after chad um stepped away from the military when he came back from his second deployment he was diagnosed failure to adjust and he couldn't figure it out i couldn't figure it out nobody could figure out why he would had this unrest in his heart when we literally we had built by that time uh, a million dollar business like he had his dream truck and and trust me this is why i i believe that material cannot make us happy because i've lived there with chad in that space but you know we had healthy kids you know we didn't we had paid off a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt we we were building houses in nicaragua for the extreme poor like we shopped at whole foods i mean does it get better than that like you know like we went on date night we went on date weekends we you know we had brought my parents on staff, so to speak, to be there whenever we wanted to get away together as a couple and, you know, reconnect or travel with our team or personal development. Like really we had so we could live anywhere in the country. I mean, you name it, we could live there. Um, and there was just so much unrest in his heart. And I was like, Whoa, like we had like, where's this coming from? Right. And again, I went back to, okay, I can't control Chad. Right. I got to give him a safe place to heal is what he really needed was he needed a place Mm -hmm. to heal. Um, Me being mad at him all the time or arguing or silent treatment or whatever, making more money. None of that was going to fix anything. So I needed to control what I could control. And I didn't know how to do that. And um, I remember him talking about when his, the prowler is like always on fire. It's real old. And so he had an emergency checklist. And I remember thinking how cool that was. I mean, I don't know about you, but if my airplane was on fire, I might, I'd be like eject. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) I feel like that's like sometimes what we do. That's what I did. When Chad deployed, I was like, eject. I'm like, really? Like I was numbing. I was literally ejecting from my life, so to speak. And um, we do that. We we can't do that. Um, It doesn't get us anywhere. And so like I remember thinking like, wow, Chad removes all the emotion when his plane's on fire and he starts going through a checklist, right? And that's what happens. Like when we are going through a fire in our life, we focus on the emotion. We focus on all the problems and we stop taking action. And where there is no action, remember, there's no hope. There's no hope, right? Uh, you start your you start becoming hopeless, like I did, and so I was like, "All right, I need my own emergency checklist when things feel like they're on fire, like when Chad it looks like numb to me, or is like, you know, he just really like we didn't fight. He was just not excited. He wasn't anything, like you know what I mean, nothing. Like and so like that would start to aggravate me. We have everything. We have so much to be grateful for. What is happening? But in, like that wouldn't do him any good. So. I created an emergency checklist for myself to put out the fire to control what I could control. And so um, I teach people how to make their own emergency checklist. And what we've noticed is it's helped people reduce their anxiety. It's helped people um, start to take steps out of depression. Not that it, it doesn't, don't hear me wrong on that. It doesn't, I don't have the answer to depression. What it does is allow you to calm long enough to make a decision that does help you instead of just 
staying like stuck, you know? Um, and so yeah. it's helped people that have lost loved ones or, you know, people dealing with, you know, their son being bullied because as long as we are actionless, we can't make progress. So really what mm -hmm. it does is it gives you a, a chance to pause, right? Instead of to be reactive and it gives you a chance to pause. And we all have things that bring our heart rate down, and bring us to a place where we can think clearly to create an action plan and then implement it. And that's the whole basis of it. So when Chad might snap at me or something, instead of snapping back, I would pause. I would pray. This could literally happen in a matter of seconds. I would do push-ups. That, that's on my emergency checklist. I would read She Works His Way devotional. And, and I might pause and the fire would go out. Or I might pause and pray and the fire would go out and I could control myself and say like, okay, babe, I, I see that you're frustrated. What, what can I help you with? Instead of being like, what the heck's your problem? Like that doesn't, you know what I mean? Like the pause, the pray allowed me to say, okay, what does he need from me? How can I love him where he's at? How can I speak life over him? You know, the same thing. I mean, it can be used, like I use it in the grocery store because I have three kids and they're human like yours, right? And they think all of a sudden it looks yeah. like a jungle gym. And so I'll pause, I'll pray. And they know, like literally, I'll do some push-ups. And they know when mom goes to do the push-ups, like, oh, like, you know, Mom is at her limit. Like, you know what I mean? And so yeah. um, it's kind of funny. I don't have to get to the push-up position anymore, but it really, it helps me be like, okay, what do the kid they need? It gives me, instead of yelling to say, come here, like, okay, what do I need to do? Like, guys, remember what we're in a, we're in a place of business, right? I need you guys to stay behind me. The faster we get out of here, the faster we can get home to rollerblading. Like, you know what I mean, I can have a calm, rational discussion with my five, you know, eight, and 12 year old versus a very heated discussion. So that's kind of the gist of it, but it's completely free. And um, it, it, it helps you. It, it helps you. It gives like even like little examples of how like to make it your screensaver and stuff like that. So it walks you right through the process to make your very own emergency checklist. And it's one of those things that I decided to create that first because I believe it really is the foundation because when we're anxious, when we're upset, when our plane's on fire, we it's hard to make a, a rational decision. It's hard to dream. It's hard to get excited when you're always in that state. So we have to change our state of mind to make a change. So that's it. You're brilliant. Why well, I don't know about that, but I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, I think so. Okay. Last question. What is your key to thriving you'd like to share with your fellow waiting warriors? What is like to thrive? Is that what you said? Yeah. What is your key to thriving? Oh, key to thriving. You know, I really think the key to th thriving is to unapologetically allow yourself to define what winning is for you and your family. I believe unity in the household is, is very, very important. So honoring each other, loving each other, but to like, you have to create a space. And even if your spouse isn't ready for it, you have, you can start with you like, like to define winning, like think about it, the school system will, and I'm not about to hate on the school system. So I'm not going there. I love the schools. I love teachers. They are, I homeschooled for a while. So they are like, I have a whole new appreciation, but the school system will, let's just say, for example, um, perfect attendance. That's how they define maybe winning, right? So you have to step back and say, is that how I define winning on some of that fashion? Chad and I do not. You know what I mean? Like we're one of the, those people that we will pull the kids out of school for a long weekend and hit up Washington, D.C. and take them like to see the, you know, to really like see the like our like just the core of our country, like, right. And then all of those monuments like we're like Chad and I are totally known for that. We are known for you know, grabbing them out of school and hitting up Kings Island because they've been so diligent with their schoolwork and their work ethic and honoring each other that surprise, like we're not going to school today. Now, do we do that all year long? No. Like, you know what I mean? But so like, that's a silly example, but you get to define winning for you, you know, D like, like I can go to a faith side of things. Like, 
winning to me is not, I don't have to read the whole Bible. Like some, but you, other people, if that's winning to them, like, I don't take offense to that. That's awesome. Like, you know what I mean? But I might have a different definition of winning when it comes to my relationship with God. And that is okay. Right. So I think when we get to that place where we're okay with who we are and we're just like, look, I only get one shot of this. You know, like, and I get to write my story. What is winning to me? You know, winning to me in my marriage is on Thanksgiving when we're 70, sitting in white rocking chairs and holding hands, waiting. Now, listen, I said holding hands. So I, I don't want to just make it to white rocking chairs and not be talking. So yes. holding hands, waiting for our kids and our grandkids to pull up and then jump out of the white rocking chair. Notice I didn't say grab my cane or anything like that. Jump out of my white rocking chair and throw my grandkids in the air and, and go inside and make an apple pie. See, I'm not that crazy with my nutrition. I do like to, I'll eat an apple pie. You know what I mean? Like make that and like just have so much fun together. So if you think about that, when I think about what winning is, when Chad and I are having a disagreement, I have to ask myself, do I want to be right? Or do I want restoration? Do I want to be right? Or do I want my vision? Right? There is a way to share your thoughts and not be a doormat, but do it in an honorable way that creates connection. Right? And so all of my actions are based on what winning is defined as in all of my different priorities, my, my faith, um, my marriage, my kids and my work. So even my, my company I work with tries to define winning. I define winning for myself unapologetically. That is the best piece of advice I can give anyone is to fall in love with it, to let other people define winning and to love that for them, to not take offense and just to fall in love with your life again because it literally is a gift full of so much hope if you take back control of your pen. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Summer. This has been amazing. Hopefully for all you listening out there, I hope you know you need to listen like four times to get all the takeaways. (laughs) You have no idea what an honor it is that you asked me and to be able to speak into the lives of wives that I was, I was there, you know what I mean? And so that is an honor that you would trust me to speak into their life. I don't take that lightly. I think all of you, what you do for our country, um, as first responders, as military wives, like it doesn't get said enough. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for creating, for what you sacrifice so that we can live in this amazing, amazing country. It would not be possible without you guys. No, oh, thank you, Summer. Well, for all you waiting warriors out there, check out Summer. I know she's on Instagram, Facebook, um, summertucker.com, and we'll link all of that in the show notes. And again, thank you, Summer, so much. Thank you. Hey, everyone, I have a favor to ask. If you have enjoyed this podcast, can you leave a review and subscribe? I promise it just takes a second and that will help more people find this podcast. Also, I'd love for you to join us in our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com slash the waiting warrior, click groups, and then the waiting warriors. Until next time, have an awesome day.